Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. As you know, the podcast is currently sponsored by Waterfall. For the month of December, Waterfall are spreading some Christmas cheer by giving away a six-month supply of wipes each for you and a friend. So to be in with the chance of winning, follow Waterfall's Instagram page, Waterfall Baby Wipes, which I will link in the show notes. And make sure to tag your friend on the post that I put up the other day on the Ireland's Birth Stories page. Winner will be announced on Instagram. Good luck. And don't forget that Waterfall Baby Wipes contain just two simple ingredients and 99.9% purified water. Waterfall Baby Wipes are 100% plastic free, 100% biodegradable and 100% compostable. Breaking down in a matter of weeks, they are the best choice for your baby's skin and for the planet. The Wipes very recently won the best new product um, with the Mums and Tots Awards after only a few months on the shelves, which is amazing. And they're definitely on track to win a lot more awards in 2022. So make sure to go over, follow the Instagram page, which I have tagged in the show notes, and make sure to tag your friends over on my own page. Good luck. In this week's episode, I chat to Caroline and she talks me through her one pregnancy and the birth of her twins. So Caroline struggled to conceive. So she was told that she was infertile. So herself and her husband decided to go down the route of IVF. And as a result, they conceived twins. So she talks me through how she felt in the first early weeks of pregnancy. And then she went on to discuss um, her final trimester. And at about 32 weeks, it was the conversation was brought up that she might have to have a C-section as her babies were presenting breach. So Caroline did want to originally have a vaginal birth and that was the plan Uh, so she did really have to dig deep and accept the fact that this wasn't a possibility any longer but things changed very quickly for Caroline in a matter of hours she felt incredibly sick uncomfortable in pain just not how she had felt before and it was very sudden so she made her way to the hospital and she had a really strong team of people around her to try and figure out what was going on. The decision was made very quickly to bring her babies into the world via emergency C-section. And her husband made it by 
the skin of his teeth, literally by the skin of his teeth. She was surrounded by really gorgeous midwives, consultants and anesthesiologists who made the experience a little bit easier. So enjoy and I will chat to you during the week with a bonus episode on Wednesday. Talk to you soon. So Caroline, you are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. Thanks, Cora. Thanks. Will we just start by hearing a little bit about you? So if you want to just give us a little introduction to you and your family. Um. So... My name is Caroline. My husband is Mark. Um, we've been married for two years, but together for 14. Um, we met, we were 20 when we met. Um, and I have two children, uh, twins, Finn and Eve, and they were a year old today. I know, we were just saying there earlier, we had to change um, our interview because my babies were not sleeping and it just seems really fitting that we have this conversation today. So it's really nice. What were you saying there? An hour, an hour? So this time last year it would have been an hour and 15 hour and a half an hour and old. 15 minutes old they, yeah they brilliant <laughs> well Finn would be an hour and 15 and Eve would be an hour and, and 10 minutes old now like it's it's so surreal that this conversation is happening now it's, it's, it's mad yeah. so let's talk about your journey to becoming pregnant and conception with the twins and yeah how you got there um it was a long one um, it was a long one. Um, I think it was back in 2016, we decided we'd try and start having a family. Um, we didn't, so what we did is we said it wouldn't be the worst thing if it did happen. So we came off uh, all contraception. Um, I, I had, a, it, it took 11 months to get pregnant um, and that, that baby didn't come to fruition out of miscarriage of an early miscarriage um and as time went on then I suppose I was a bit naive to like I thought you know Lincoln you get pregnant genuinely that's what had been I I didn't know the hardships that would come with trying to conceive um but it, it it wasn't happening for us and um in 2018 I met with uh, 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 doc, called Dr. Minna Geisler in Waterstone Clinic in Cork. Um, she said I had all my tests done, everything, everything looked fairly normal. Um, uh, we were due to get married in August 2019. This is August 2018, and it was our, it was actually our final month to try before we said we'd stop for the wedding. And um, so she said, look. Go away, have uh, a laparoscopy, which is a, a kind of a keyhole surgery just to see what's going on inside. Um, I had the laparoscopy then in 2019 and basically it told me my tubes were non-functioning, shut closed, not a hope. IVF was our only route. So we got married in August 2019 and in November 2019 we had our first round. That didn't, that didn't work. Um, we we had one three day embryo transferred with not much hope. Um, I think we got nine eggs, eight mature, and they just dropped it off. And by day three, we had one hopeful, um, and four if we won still in the running, but none of them, uh, none of them were frozen, and the the one that was transferred did, didn't stick. Um, so then in January. 2020 we we tried again 
Um, similar kind of situation. We had a better a better round. We got sixteen eggs, fifteen were mature, all fifteen fertilized. Um, but none of them were looking hectic by day three. We had two day three embryos that they said, look, we're going to transfer these two. Um, and just for anybody who is going through IVF, if they want to know, Finn and Eve, um, they were three-day embryos. People don't want to do three-day transfers because it means they're not good embryos. Okay. But mine were obviously late bloomers. Um, they grade day three embryos on a scale of one to five. One been the best, five been the worst. They don't transfer anything four or five. Um, Finn, I believe it was Finn with the three day, um, and he was uh, grade three. Eve was three point five, so they wouldn't mm-hmm. have, and they would not have frozen them had I not transferred them and left them to day five. And um, just some people are, are fearful for a three day transfer. Um, so I had my three day transfer and um, I knew pretty quickly that I was pregnant. Um, I felt pregnant, even though you still have a lot of hormones and you're still on, you're taking progesterone every day anyway. And all the IVF hormones, especially trigger injection and stuff like that, mimic pregnancy. But I just knew this time it was different. And I knew I was pregnant from about five days after I transferred feminine. You're probably hyper aware of your body. Yeah. I knew what a a fail had felt like. Yeah. I could actually feel the synthetic hormones leaving my body. And I knew my own body wasn't picking them up and carrying it on. And I I knew that. And uh, that was probably around day seven um, after, after transfer. Um, the first round by day five, which is three and five is eight days after ovulation, say. Um, so three days after, eight days after egg collection, I, I knew I was pregnant. Um, I, I felt very, very pregnant. Um, so I, I was, we were in bed here one night. It was a, a Tuesday night, three o'clock in the morning. I woke to use the loo and that had never happened to me. And, I said, second, I'm going to test. It was um, eight days, eight, eight days past uh, transfer and the test was positive. I woke Mark at three o'clock in the morning and we just stayed up for the rest of the night. And mm. um, we went to work like it was it was a Monday night into Tuesday morning. I couldn't believe it. Um, but I knew I was pregnant. I did say to Mark, it's possible that I, I think it could be twins. And then we said, look, put it out of your head, you know, don't be greedy. We were very, very lucky to have one in there. Don't be greedy, you know, be happy with what I have. And I was, but I never lost feeling that there was two in there. Um, Waterstone Clinic don't do uh, beta bloods. Uh, so I got my own GP to do them and the numbers were higher than average. And I still had a feeling and I pushed it to the back and I said, no, I won't go there. Um, six weeks, fast forward to six weeks pregnant and I had an early scan with Waterstones. And uh, yeah, two little black circles with two very tiny little 
dots in them and she said there's two heartbeats here you can see two heartbeats flickering and I I lost it I was crying and laughing at like like oh like a, a witch I was hegging laughing mm-hmm. and crying all in the one and you know I thought it'd be a real romantic moment <laughs> myself and Mark and I went to catch his hand but he had just two hands up to his face his eyes were like this and his jaws on the phone could not believe it um yeah so tried not to you know counter chickens you know it, it's never over until your baby's in your arms yeah. um on on the day of your birth and uh, but i knew i knew that those two babies i was going to take them home and so uh, there must have been such um a mixed bag of emotions you went through such a journey to get you had suffered yeah. early pregnancy loss and anyone yeah. that does the next time they get pregnant they're so fearful that it's going to happen again so how and then yeah the whole journey was just I'm sure it triggered a lot of things oh it it is it's a, a crazy journey you you never want to fully commit you yeah. never want to fully believe and um, deep down I think I knew I was going to to take two babies home that day, that six weeks scan. Um, but there's always that before every scan, before every appointment, before they put your blood pressure, that blood pressure cuff on, every time it's like this build-up. And I call it scan-xiety. Oh, my God. And I used to drive down that road to Cork for my scans. And obviously, twins were born you know, or I was pregnant. I was seven weeks pregnant when we went into lockdown. Um, Mark was allowed into one scan with me. That was my six-week scan when we found out it was twins. And after that, um, I was on my own. When when you suffer pregnancy loss or when you go through a journey to even get as far as getting pregnant, it, it especially going through IVF and really struggling to conceive, you're waiting for that rug to be pulled from under you. Uh, you never feel safe. It's like you're walking across a rickety old rope bridge and you're waiting for, you know, which rung is going to go. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted the information as quickly as possible. Um, and as soon as I got the information and I saw the babies were okay, um, I'd you know, be texting Mark, all okay, will ring when I'm out or, you know. Um, so, yeah, that that was always there. Um, but deep down, I think I, I I always had a feeling that, that you know, it was going to end up good. I, I had a good, a good gut feeling about it. Um, and through pregnancy, they tried. I flew it. Iron was, was low and... Um, but I had an iron infusion at around 20 weeks. But, um, yeah, all in all, a pretty healthy pregnancy. I loved mm-hmm. being pregnant. I absolutely adored my pregnancy body. It was probably the most favorite body I've ever had. Yeah, yeah. Was. <laughs> it was when I was pregnant. And I was obviously quite big. I, I had two, two babies in there. And I got big quite quickly. I had a good bump at 12 weeks. You know, well, at the time you think you're massive, like now, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> yeah. Walking around in my maternity dress, thinking like, "Whoa, look at the!" You're just dying to wear them, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> no, uh, I wouldn't mind. I bought first maternity dress. I bought. I wore for either my sixteen week picture or yeah, I think it was my sixteen week picture. And by the end of my pregnancy, I couldn't close that dress on myself. It was buttoned the whole way down. So I wore it into work one day with a long black T-shirt, my maternity leggings. And I thought, like, I'm sure I could wear the dress like a shirt, but open. Like, sure, wanting to be grand. <laughs> one of my girls, one of, one of, a good friend of mine, a colleague of mine, Jenny, she rings over my phone, you know, and we could see, we have cubicles, so we could see this much of each other. My phone rings in a turn, I look at her, and she, she, so. she mouths like, that your dress is open. open. <laughs> I was like, I know, Jenny, I, I honestly can't close it. That's a good friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just, I, I couldn't close it anymore, but for a twin IVF pregnancy, I was absolutely blessed. Very, very blessed. I, they were perfect, always measured, you know, ahead. They were always fine, big babies. They were always really happy with them, always really happy with me. My blood pressure, everything was always perfect. Um, and I was So what did you do in terms of preparation? Did you, sorry, if I interrupt you, I just want to, I oh, want okay. to. Did you do any antenatal classes? Did you do any yoga, hypnobirthing, or what did you do? I th- There was very little of that available to me because yeah. of lockdown. Um, there there wasn't. Um, I had a very, maybe a naive birth plan now that I look at it, but I wanted um, vaginal birth. Um, I wanted to go myself. I didn't want to be induced. Um I did not want a, a, a section and um, part of my fear was if I had a section I'd have two babies and a six-week recovery time and how does that even work? I was afraid I'd be in hospital that I wouldn't be able to move and I'd have two babies and I'd have no partner with me. Yeah. Um, so uh, when I spoke to, to uh, I had Finn and Eve down in CUMH and I spoke to my consultant and he, he was delighted that, that I, I was happy to go, that I wanted a vaginal birth. Um, the only problem is, is you have two babies that need to behave if you want to, to have a vaginal birth. Um, I was told that I, I wouldn't be left going myself if I hadn't gone by 37 weeks that I, I would be induced. Um, but by kind of 25, 26 weeks, it was becoming obvious that, you know, Finn kind of, Finn had been head down, then they were both transverse. Um, and then one was transverse and one was head up. And at 28 weeks, they said, look, it, they don't like being head down. It, it's going to be hard to get one of them to turn so, you, you know, that you could have a vaginal birth. Um, and I, I wasn't okay with that. I, 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 I'll admit, I was disappointed um, that I wouldn't get to, to do. See, I suppose it goes back to kind of the trauma of IVF, and I, I, I didn't couldn't control when I got pregnant, how I got pregnant, when I conceive, or it was all down to, you know, when Waterstone could fit me in, 
you know, when was the right time. There was no going to, I was never going to have a spontaneous mm-hmm. pregnancy. Um, you know, my sisters knew I was having IVF. My mom knew a couple of my close friends and, and Mark's family. So we were never going to get that revealing at 12 weeks. We were never going to get to announce our pregnancy that there was always, you know, there was very little in that that we could control uh, because of my infertility that that everything was on medical terms rather than a natural basis so I was really hoping I think and I think that's why I, I was so determined that I was going to leave this happen naturally without the control of medicine or you know that I, you know that it could be done on my terms but it was actually done on Finn and Eve's terms, really. <laughs> um, so they were breach. I was down again around uh, 30 weeks. They were still breach. I was doing yoga inversions. I was trying to get them to turn. Um, I'd literally be two knees on my couch, my elbows and head on, on the floor, rocking backwards and forwards, like everything, anything I could try. Um, but they weren't turning. Um, but I'm after going off on a tangent. You asked me, did I do? And I did a, an antenatal course uh, with the Baby Academy. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So I I did that antenatal course, um, which was quite good because at the time that there was no online antenatal courses available to me, the hospital weren't running one. Um, I was a first time mother about to give birth to two babies. Um. I've been around ch- children and new babies, but it's different when it's your own. Mm. And as far as bathing a baby or anything like that, sure, I didn't know, you know. Um, so I did that course and it was very good. Um, my VHI covered the cost of it. I think I paid 25 euros or something for, for the course. Um, and it was very, very good. And you get all the notes after, you know. Um, it, it was a really good course to do. Um after that, I, I didn't do much else. Like, there wasn't pregnancy yoga. I'd love to have done it. Um, th- there wasn't much available. Um, so uh, so I, I didn't do much that way. I, I sat out on my swinging chair with an ice pop. That's what I did <laughs> for most of my pregnancy. Um, but I, I did go back to work when, when things were allowed to open up. And I worked till... 32 weeks um, and at 32 weeks I started to feel a bit different I I swelled up really my feet were like memory foam like you could actually see the end I was wearing Birkenstocks for that that's all I could wear was Birkenstocks my slippers didn't fit my shoes didn't fit um so hail rain sleet or snow I was wearing Birkenstocks but I was lucky it was September it wasn't mm. actually too bad um, but at 32 weeks, I was told that that's the schedule for a section on the 13th of October. Um, and I said, look, that's fine. That's the way it has to be once they're here, safe and sound. Uh, that's fine. Um, Did you have to really um, just have a chat with yourself that you just kind of had to surrender to this, that this is, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I did. I did. Um, but. I really did. like. I even had a conversation with my consultant, but he let me deliver breach. And he said, he said maybe if you're a second or third time mother and it was one baby, you know that he he'd 
you know, try and he'd try and turn. But he said, first time, ma'am, which, look, I, I just had it in my head. Um, but I did. I kind of, I came out, I, I spoke to, to some friends of mine. Um, one, one, one friend, Laura, had just had her second section and, she, you know, she was trying to reassure me. And I just came to the realisation doesn't matter how they get here I'm going to have my two babies leave the chips fall where they may once they're here safe and sound um so that that didn't come to me until about 32 weeks um and I was after that I was that's grand you know um I had five weeks left and I was in five weeks I'm going to have my babies and you know if it's a section that's fine so I did have a little chat with myself and and just told myself cop on really um mm. and so that's what I did um so 32 weeks I, I did start swelling a bit my feet were, were so swollen and I spent most of my time lying on my bed with my legs up against the wall trying to get swelling down um I but it was I was 35 weeks um and on the Saturday night it was pubs had been open for a little while and my husband hadn't been out my whole pregnancy and we had two and a half weeks left and it was the last Saturday night the pubs were open and I said you know why don't you go out for a few drinks and he said I don't know I won't I won't and I said look you're only going a few miles in the road going for a few drinks I'm at home I'll come and collect you and he texted me we were kind of texting back and forth and he said you know, uh, I said, look, I'm going to call up to my sisters. We're going to have a Chinese. And this burping started. Like, I'd had a lot of heartburn throughout my pregnancy anyway, but it was really, really bad burping. And my sister was like, oh, my God, I don't know how Mark is putting up to listen to that burping. And I was like, it's really bad tonight, isn't it? It's really bad. So I didn't take much notice. Um Mark texted at 11 o'clock. He said, I'm kind of ready to come home. You know, you know, I've had enough. And I was like, well, so he came home and we went to bed. I slept all right. I woke up the following morning and I just crossed the top of my bum. This pain. And I said to Mark, I don't feel right. And he said, you know, will you ring Cork? I said, no way. I'm not ringing Cork because if I ring Cork, they're going to tell me, come down. And I'm going to be there on bed rest and be monitored for the next three weeks with no visitors. That I'm, I'm not ringing them. Um, my sister was playing a match that was been streamed, so I stayed in bed and I, I watched it from bed. But I, I wasn't feeling well, and I was getting, I didn't know where the contractions. I, I thought there were cramps all across the top of my bum. Um, my sister's match was an important match, so I didn't bother my parents or you know my mom I was texting my sister and she was like oh I don't know I don't know um what you do and I said look I'll wait it out I'll wait it out by four o'clock myself and Mark were nearly arguing he said please ring Cork and see what they say and the nurse on the phone said look come down and we'll just scan you and we'll just make sure everything's okay but you have to eat something on your way down because if you don't eat something the babies will appear lethargic on a scan if the babies are lethargic, you're not going to be left home. 
Okay. So, right. you know, have something to eat and, and come away down. Um, so I did, well, I didn't really, we went, we were passing from Oi and Mark said, look, will you chance McDonald's? I love McDonald's. And, mm-hmm. and, and especially when I was pregnant. Um, so I said, yeah, I'll chance McDonald's. He had a chicken nugget and a half, I think. And I was just, oh. And we were only talking about it this evening with the day that then, uh, you know, we, we were only talking about it. And Mark said to me, like, God, I was so worried that day going down in the car. And he, I'd be talking and every three or four minutes, I'd just leave out this scream in pain. Um, he couldn't even drive the car fast because the motion was making the pain worse. So he said he was like a snail trying to get me to hospital. He's He was trying to mind me, but get me to hospital on, you know, safely yeah. and quickly. He wanted me to get some medical attention. And I left him at the door, um, which is awful. It's so awful that not just for me, there's people in a lot worse situations than me. Um, but he didn't know what was happening. Mm. I didn't know what was happening. Two first-time parents, and I just had to leave him at the door. And I purposely left. I brought an overnight bag with me, and I left it in the car. So at some point, I would have to see him again either way. You know, if I was being kept or not. He had my bag. If I was being kept, he'd have to come in or I'd have to go out. I would get to see him again. Um, So I, I said, you know... He left me at the roundabout in, in CUH, right outside the door of the maternity hospital, and I went in. Um, and it's really ha- kind of hazy because I was in so much pain. Um, and I sat down in the emergency area. They were doing a bit of renovation, so you're actually out in, in the corridor, basically just sitting there before you go into triage. And they saw me really quickly, and I'd say it's because they could hear me in the hospital. Um, and I was brought into a room. I was put on a trace, um, and I was in a lot of pain. You know, one nurse came in and asked me all the questions. Then another nurse came in and asked me the same set of questions, and they were really trying to figure out what was going on. Trace was kind of saying my top of my uterus was contracting. My cervix was saying I was nowhere near labour. Um, and I was in a lot of pain, um, a lot of pain. Um, I asked to be taken off the trace and if I could have a scan just so I could see the babies. Um, and they, in fairness, they accommodated that, that day down in triage. They accommodated everything that I needed. Um, they did a scan. Both babies were happy on the trace. Both babies were happy. Um, but they could see my pain on, on the trace. Um, so they took blood. Um, we were there for qu- quite a while. I think it was about half nine, ten o'clock. And they said, look, we're going to keep you. And um, I said, if you're keeping me, I want to go out to my husband before I, I go up to, to bed. And they said, yeah, that's fine. Um, so I went up. I'm lucky. Most of the, the wards in CUH are two bedroom, two beds. Um, okay. And there happened to be nobody with me the first night, uh, the Sunday night. And I was just, I put it this way. The nurse's station was across the road, across the road, across the hall from me. And 
that nurse is brilliant. She was just in and out to me all night. Every time I screamed or anything, um, she was in and out. They started was there, doing bloods. Was there any sort of um, rhythm to these these pains? No, they were really no, okay. regular. Um, you could see them on the trace. Uh, they could kind of tell when they were going to come, but they, they weren't like every three minutes. I might have one now. I might have one in four minutes. After that, okay. I might have another pain for six minutes or ten minutes or, you know. Um, they put me on IV paracetamol. Um, they put me on um, like a gastro-resistant, you know, like a tablet because of the burp and they thought maybe it might be gastritis. Um, and they put me on a, an IV for that. Um, and they gave me steroid injection for baby's lungs. Okay. Um, they started doing six hourly blood and I stayed awake the whole night, the Sunday night. I, I couldn't sleep. Um, and two lovely nurses came on. They were so good. They, they were brilliant to me. And doctors came, I think I had maybe four or five doctors come up that morning. Um, my own consultant was off. It, it was a Monday and he was off. Um, so they were doing six hourly blood. They, they really didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what was going on. I had Mark on the phone worried. I had my mom on the phone worried. I had my sister on the phone worried. And I could barely hold the phone. Um, and then I didn't want them to let them know I was in pain on the other end of the phone. Mm. You're trying to suppress, you know, making any noise while, you know, this convulsion or this cramp or whatever it was was happening. Um, so um, I did get a bit of sleep on the Monday. I think I slept for maybe... Um, an hour and a half. They gave me they gave me two rounds of IV pethidine by the end of Monday because I couldn't eat. I, all I was doing was burping or contracting. Um, I was in a lot of pain. The nurse even commented, like, you must have a really high pain threshold because what's coming up here on the traces is crazy. For so um, long. Yeah. You, from Sunday in, into Monday, um, six hourly bloods my bloods were looking really funny uh, they scanned my liver I, I went over uh, to, to CUH and I had a scan of my liver um, and it looked okay um, and my bloods were progressively getting worse um, they had taken so much blood um, I, I got some sleep Monday evening I had two, two IVs of peptidine um, and I got about an hour and a half sleep. I was awake all the Monday night. And on the Tuesday morning, I said, you know, what's the plan? And they said, your consultant is on the way in. He wants to see all your blood results. He wants to see all the traces. He wants to see everything. Before he makes a decision, I had been vomiting. It was like a bit, probably too much information, but it was like black coffee grounds. Do you ever see wet coffee grounds when they come out of the coffee? That's what I was um, there was nothing in there but this black um, I had a headache um, this convulsions and I I was in a bad way on Tuesday um, but the nurse said look tell Mark go to work as normal carry on as normal and we'll keep him updated the best we can um, so on t- Tuesday I just told Mark I said tell no people stop ringing me yeah. you know kind of in I 
felt guilty afterwards, but I, I couldn't talk to people on the phone. They were looking for information that I couldn't give them. I, I wasn't been told where the baby's coming. They were saying we'll wait and see. And, you know, your bloods don't look great. Um, my white blood cells were on the floor. They, they were disappearing every six hours. They were lower and lower. Um, my liver, it was crazy, crazy erratic, very, very bad. And my red blood cells started to break down um, on the Tuesday. And altogether, I didn't know what it all meant. You know, um, I do now, but I didn't at the time. So I, I told Mark, I said, look, you're the only person to ring me. You're going to have to take everybody else, you know, and, and tell them what's happening. Um, so then it was coming kind of close to Thursday evening. It was about four o'clock. The nurse came in and she said, look, you're too sick to be up here. We're going to move you downstairs to high dependency unit. Um, it, it was just after four, about quarter past four. She said, you know, I'll pack your bag um, and we'll get you. Uh, I'll bring you over myself. In fairness, she could have called a porter, you know, mm. And she, she packed my bag and she brought, she was wheeling me down herself. And I was so glad of her. She, she was just, it was a very short time she was on with me. She was on with me Tuesday, or Monday during the day, eight to eight, Tuesday during the day. But I felt like I knew her and, and the student midwife that was with her, Claire, I felt like I knew them all. Like I could say like, I feel like shit or, you know, I could say anything to them. Um, but she said, I'm going to wheel you down myself to high dependency. And I, I said, yeah, okay. Um, and as we came out, by the time we were packed in that, she said to me, you might ring Mark and tell him come from Kilkenny to Care. Care is where I'm from, which is about an hour's drive. And I'm about 50 minutes then to CUH for my home place. Um, so rang Mark, I said, come back to Care, you know, grab a sandwich or whatever, and we'll ring you if we have any updates. That was literally 20 past four half past four um as i made that phone call wheeled me out onto the corridor and one of the doctors that had been around for doctor's rounds in the morning ran up towards me and said i have to take cross match bloods now i didn't know what that meant and i was like yeah grand sure you're taking bloods every six hours i thought it might be something to do with that grabbed my arm and she said ring mark ring mark now and i was like why what's going I'm on and she said, if they're doing cross yeah, if they're doing, they're taking cross match bloods now. You're going. They're 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 planning on 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 delivering the babies now. Well, my head spun. We had literally just got off the phone from Mark and said, "Go to care, have a sandwich, and we'll ring you." So, um, I let the doctor take the bloods, and she went off, and I rang Mark and I said, "Just keep coming." Um, just keep coming to court, to court. They're going to deliver the babies this evening. Um, so I got down to the high dependency unit. Margaret stopped me at the door and she said, look, there's a lot of people in there. They're there for you, but just, you know, they're all there for a reason. You know, you have two babies coming, so we have people for two babies. We have people for, for delivering the babies and then we have people keeping an eye on, on your health because you're not well. So that was fine and I was kind of a bit 
dazed by it all. And all I wanted was to make sure that Mark was going to get there. Um, I went in and there was a, a midwife who I ended up knowing her, 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 her partner is from same hometown as me. Um, we went to the same school and funnily enough, the week beforehand, my sister had done her eyebrows and her lashes for her. I'd never laid eyes on, eyes on this girl before, but she saw my address and we figured it out anyway. And she spoke to me as if she always knew me, you know, and she really kind of calmed me down like it was normal conversation. It wasn't about what was going on in the room at all. It was like, you know, your sister did my lashes. I had a wedding last week or whatever. And, it, you know, um, and then um, I, I, I just needed... It, it was kind of a deep breath that I didn't know I needed, but looking back, I definitely needed it. Um, and another nurse came in, um, oh, a lovely, lovely nurse. And I, I, I make a point to get everybody's name, and I didn't get this nurse's name, but she was really nice. And she did come and visit. A lot of them came and visited the babies afterwards, you know, even when I went back up to the ward. You know, it's amazing what you go through with these people. But anyway... She said to me, look, um, the doctors have said we're not going to wait for your husband. Um, I was having a magnesium sulfate drip in um, and and this nurse came up and she said, look, they're not going to wait for Mark. Um, and I just I said, look, we're four years waiting for this moment. Like I've never done this before. I've two babies on the way, and I really need my husband to be here. Um, and she said, "Look, I'll do my best." She she gave me a pen. She said, "Write the pin of your phone on my little clipboard," and I wrote the pin of my phone. And she took my phone and she said, "I will talk with Mark. I'll get him here if I can." So I said, "Okay." Um, I started talking to the two anesthesiologists. They were talking me through an epidural, and you know all that. Um. I had a nurse, you know, talk me through the procedure and she shaved bits and bobs to get everything ready. Um, and the two anesthesiologists were two young guys, kind of my own age. Um, but they were really, really lovely. And they were, you know, talking me through. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You know, this is what we'll do. You'll be lying like this. The epidural will go in. This is what we expect you to feel. This is what we expect you not to feel. You know, and, and they, they were talking to me, and I just kept saying, you know, we're going to be waiting for my husband. My husband has to be here. My husband has to be here. Um, and then the time came to move me to to the theatre. And all the, you know, the team came with me. There was more in theatre waiting for me. So I got on onto the bed and my eyes were just starting all around the room. There's those two little areas where the babies were going and there was two or three nurses at each area. Um, I had two uh, female doctors that were performing the, the, the C-section for me. Um, and they had three or four people each. I had two anesthesiologists. I had another nurse here. And then over the corner of, of the room, there was another set of nurses watching my ops. Um, the room was full. The room was really full. Um, and I must have looked a bit panicked and I just kept saying, like, my husband has to be here. My husband has to be here. The two doctors explained what was going to happen. You know, and the two anesthesiologists started talking to me again. And I, I just said to one of them, I said, look, I'm not really listening. I just really want my husband to be here. And he said, look, they're, they're really getting ready to go what we'll do is we'll practice our epidural. And I said, okay. So he said, what you do is you sit up on the edge of the bed and you kind of slump forward. And he said, once you do that, then lean back and lie back into my chest. So I did that. And he just said, like he said, okay, now everybody, we're practicing the epidural now. Everybody's to calm down, slow down. Everybody's to relax a bit. And the whole buzz in the room changed. Um, and it was kind of like a a big deep breath out and I literally this man I had only met maybe 15 minutes beforehand and and his his friend the other anesthesiologist was stood beside him and I I was sitting on the edge of the bed slouched back into this man's chest while everybody else just kind of calmed down and we just sat there for a couple of minutes and is that right? That that's what we'll do, except for you won't lean back, and I'll put a big needle in your back, basically. 
Um, so it kind of calmed the whole room. The the energy in the room shifted from one of kind of panic, um, not just me, but everybody, um, to much more calm. And all, all he had to do was say, like, everybody, we're, we're calming down. We're practicing this. Everybody needs to, to relax. Um, so they put the epidural in and in CUH, you lie with both your arms outstretched like Jesus on a cross for all, all the world. Um, I did the curtain up fully. Um, they were ready to go. The doctors, uh, the two doctors were, were talking me through, look, you'll feel pulling and tugging and, you know, that's all normal. That's okay. Epidural had started to work. And it was literally minutes on the clock and I was just eyes on the door. I was so thirsty. I, you know, I was just waiting and that nurse that took my phone with my pin stuck her head in the door and just roared, he's here. Oh my God. (laughs) Like the whole place started cheering and I obviously I I couldn't believe it I started cheering and the anesthesiologist they stay kind of over your left shoulder and he you know he put his hand on my shoulder and was like like yeah he's here now he's here now um and that was at 25 to 7 and Finn was born at so that was at say 6 35 and Finn was born at 6 44 so nine minutes before Finn was born, Mark was scrubbing in and they sat him outside the door and just kind of let him calm for a second. Mm. And the nurse that took my phone, that's what I'm going to have to call her because I never got her name. But he said she like they were ready for him the whole way in from the front door of the hospital right the way down Um scrubbed him in like god bless him he was in his work clothes like he was you know in in his work clothes and he said you know outside they said look there's a lot of people in there and they explained who was who in different parts of the room and you know she stuck her head in and said he's here he's scrubbing in and it was just like yeah the whole place cheered it was really it was lovely like I was like woo, you know (laughs) this was going to happen and my husband was going to be there for it um everybody was so invested in that so yeah they really were they, they really were you know I know look I know they do three or four times every day or however many babies are born in Cork a day I don't know when they do but it, in that moment they were all there for us yeah. you know and it, it felt very very personal like Obviously, it's very personal. These people are just going to deliver your babies. Um, but it, there was camaraderie between all of us. We all wanted the same thing. We were all, you know, but he made it. Um, literally with a few minutes to spare. And it was like, it was like, well, are you OK? Yeah. Are you OK? Yeah, I'm OK. 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 Let, let, let's get these babies. Um, and Finn was born first. So he was born at just just before quarter to seven in the evening um and like they they put him over they put him over the over the the curtain and oh I I was you know teared up straight away and looked to Mark and 
they hadn't said it's a boy or it's a girl or or whatever but did you know no I didn't know I didn't know their genders (laughs) I didn't know their genders but I had been to a psychic in May 2019 um and she told me that I was going to have twins and she told me I was going to have a boy and a girl and she told me my boy was going to be born first and my girl would be born second. Stop. Uh, one would be really placid, no fuss. The other would be as headstrong as myself and Mark put together. That was in 2019, the height of me being coming to terms with I would have to have IVF, right in the middle of that. And I walked out of that, that psychic. I'm not, it was the first time I was ever at a psychic. The last time I was ever at a, I ever go to a psychic, I went with some colleagues from work. I had no interest, and I came out of it really pissed off, really pissed off. And I was like, "How? How? Why? These people shouldn't be allowed to tell people that they'll have children in the future." You know, I had just been, you know, told I was infertile. Yeah. You know, um, I was really cross. Um, but anyway, turns out. She was right. Whether, whether I don't know. I don't know. Um, but she, she told me. But I had held on to that. It was going to be a boy and a girl. So much so that I knew which was a boy and which was a girl in there. I felt. And uh, twin one was always slightly bigger, always hung out on the right-hand side of me. Twin two was always slightly smaller, always hung out on the left. Um, and Finn was twin one and Eve was Finn, Finn, twin two. And they never actually swapped from my 12-week scan. Neither baby swapped to twin one, twin two. They, they both um, they both stayed, you know, where, where they were really. Um, but Finn was delivered and he, he, was, he was a big baby. And I was like, wow, oh my God. And they, we didn't know he, whether he was a boy or a girl because I just looked at his, he was screaming. I was just looking at his head and I was like, it's like to Mark, oh my God. Crying. And they, they said to Mark, like, look down, look down, look down. And Mark looked down and he was, oh, it's a boy, it's a boy. You know, brilliant. And they took Finn to, to go and get cleaned up. So I, I, I said to the doctor then, I said, I'm, I'm really sorry, but uh, what side did, did that baby come out of? And they looked at me and they were like, what is this? <laughs> I was, sorry? And I said, um, can I just ask, did he come out with my right side? And they were like, well, yeah, he, he was on your right side. And I was like, okay. And Mark, you know, put his hand on my shoulder and he kind of came, came into my ear and he said, look, I've had a really strong feeling the last couple of days. It's two boys, okay? So the next baby would be a boy. And I was like... No, it won't. It won't. It'll be. It's a little girl. The little girl is coming now. The little girl is coming now. And sure enough, four minutes later, like she had been here before, like she was entering a room that she had walked into a million times before, eyes wide open, not a sound, came out and like that, like he <laughs> ganned the room. Seriously. And I have pictures of her, you know, being dressed and being cleaned oh, yeah. that Mark got. And she's looking at people. It's so bizarre. But she came out and they, they put her over. And I remember thinking she's much smaller. But she was looking at me like like, like I, I was nothing special around him. 
she was just looking like you know. <laughs> um, and they 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 said like it's a little girl, and I was just whoa. Um, and they took them to be cleaned. Mark went over and had a look at them, and took some pictures. Meanwhile, I'm on the table still gasping. Like I was like <gasps> so thirsty, and I. The two lads were still here, obviously, and I was like, "Look, I really need to drink some water." And these little tiny bottles of sterile water, and they were just like pouring them into my mouth. My mouth was like a sponge; they were going nowhere. And I just kept it. Um, there's no more water, is there? I was just remember being so thirsty. Um, and they they stitched me up, and we went we went over to recovery. Um, and Mark. I think we had about an hour or, or two in recovery. Um, I was literally right next door to to the theatre in recovery, but right next door to that was my room that I was going into as high dependency unit. Um, so I went in to recovery and I had the, the lovely heated blanket on and then I had my babies on me. Um, um, I, I had very little milk, you know, I hadn't done the whole pump and colostrum thing or, you know, that, um, but they were trying to hand express colostrum and, but the, the babies did latch and we had loads of lovely skin on skin. Um, it was lovely. Mark got loads of nice pics and that, but in the back of my mind, I knew it was looming that he was going to be asked to leave soon. Um, I was asking for water they were giving me like shot glasses of water with the skinniest straw ever. I don't know where they, they got these straws out of, but I couldn't get the water into me fast enough. Um, and then the nurse said to me, we're actually restricting your fluids. That's it. And I was, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Grand. Um, so I went in back into high dependency unit um, two babies, but, brought in with me and Mark came in um, and he basically just unpacked, uh, the, the babies were sharing one little crib um, and he unpacked like the, the necessary bits. I didn't have my baby bag with me, I didn't have my hospital bag, I I just had overnight stuff for me, I was that adamant I wasn't staying and the babies weren't coming, you know, until the 13th yeah. of October, the babies weren't, weren't coming. But he unpacked my bags and that. And I was in high dependency unit. It was just me and uh, a midwife and a student midwife and the, the two babies. And that was the Tuesday night. Um, Mark went home um, and we didn't name the babies around them. We had ideas of names. We hadn't names picked, but we had one girl's name and two boys' names. Um, but we had this idea that we'd have to make sure that the babies, the names fit them, you know? Um, mm. Like, we weren't sure. It was Finn a Finn. Like, is he, is he, is he definitely a Finn? And is he definitely an E? But, um, yeah. Um, so I was in high dependency. I was having, I was on oxygen. I was still on all my monitors, I was still on IVs, I had cannulas everywhere. Um, they were taking blood from my feet. Like there was nowhere else they could take blood from. It, you know, I had nearly 48 hours of them, 
had 48 hours of them taking blood every six hours from my arms that, you know, they couldn't get any more. Um, my diet was being restricted. My water intake was being restricted. I was given one litre jug and a jug of ice chips. And that that was it. That's, you know, all you can have. And the nurse said, look, just you have to make it last. They were monitoring my input uh, or my output as well. Um, I've been watched very, very carefully. Um, but I, 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 I had started to feel better in myself almost immediately. Um, I don't know whether that was adrenaline and that love mm. buzz that, you know, or was I actually, you know, physically really, really feeling better. Um, but yeah, so that was Tuesday night. Um, the baby stayed with me. Um, they, they literally were on my chest the whole time. I got my first proper two and a half hours sleep in I don't know how long and the babies were on top of me and the nurse that took my phone had put my pin on the back of my phone so the nurse that was with me overnight saw my pin on the back of my phone and took pictures of the first nap I had mm. with Finn and Eve um, and it was just so thoughtful of her mm. you know but it, it was so thoughtful of her and when I woke up I was like, oh my God, I'm really sorry. I fell asleep with them. Like, are they safe? Are they okay? Is this this allowed? And she was like, no, it's lovely. She's like, I'm here the whole time. Don't worry. Like, I was in a two-bed room. High dependency unit was actually kind of been used as as an extra induction room if needed. But there was nobody coming in that night. Um, um, A woman came in in the Wednesday morning. for a little while but we didn't see each other you know the curtain curtain was up and she spent only a short bit of time there on on the was it the, it could possibly was Thursday morning but I had generally been on, on my own in there uh with a, a nurse and a student nurse um on a light diet and I wouldn't mind I was starving I was absolutely starving and I was so thirsty but everything has been monitored um, my blood still weren't right and um, they were a bit still a bit haywire and on Wednesday night so it, you know we we had a normal enough Wednesday Eve wasn't feeding great I had a lot of milk I, so the, the the nurses were were topping them up with Aptamel which was fine by me um, mm. I really really wanted this beautiful breastfeeding journey and I thought I I thought I was going to breastfeed all of Ireland's children before before um the lads were born but my milk didn't come in um they were uh, my boobs were all bruised from hand expressing and I, we were trying our best they were latching and you know I thought it would get easier and better um but on Wednesday night it's kind of Thursday morning it was one o'clock Thursday morning and Eve's sugars were borderline they weren't low they were they were just borderline and she wasn't feeding and she was spewing a little bit so they said they were going to take her across to NICU which I was actually surprisingly okay with as I was downstairs NICU was on the same floor as me it wasn't far away um, and best place possible for her so it was myself and Finn were left and Eve was across the way um, 
she was that bit smaller. So I, I don't know if I said their weight. So Finn was born. He was six pounds, 11 ounces. Uh, I know. I know. <laughs> um, at 35 weeks and a half, yeah. the little fecker. And then Eve was four pounds, 15 and a half. So just shy of five pounds. But when Finn was born, the nurse that took my phone to speak to Mark, she was in the room and she stuck her head over the curtain like this. She said, you're not going to believe the weight of him. I said, what is he? What is he? And she said, he's six pounds, 11 ounces. And because they asked me what my last weights on my charts were. And they were literally a week before they were born. And he was estimated 5'11". And she, Eve was estimated 5'3". But Finn was 6'11 when she was born. And he was, Eve was 4'15". So they reckon there might have been a bit of something at play there as well. Um, yeah. And... Yeah, I should have mentioned when, when they were born, I had my little placenta TLC packed to encapsulate my placentas and I'd have two okay. placentas and I'd have I'd have placenta capsules for, for the whole of Ireland as well. Like I, honest to God, so naive thought. But the, the doctor said, look, we really need to keep your placenta to be sent to pathology. And I was like, um, but uh, I wanted to get it encapsulated. And she said, it's really important for future pregnancies for yourself, for us to figure, you know, it would help with a diagnosis. Yeah. You know, it's really important that we get this done. So I I relinquished my placentas and they got sent to to pathology. Um but I, I forgot to mention that that I, I was planning on encapsulating that. Um but yeah, Eve went over to NICU on Wednesday night, Thursday morning, and Thursday my consultant came to see me. And he said, what the hell has gone on? In the last I had literally seen him seven days beforehand. Blood pressure was fine. I had a bit of swelling, but I was fine. And he said, uh, well, you've had a crazy few days. And I said, I have. And he said, he, he wasn't there for the birth, but it was emergency in the evening at seven o'clock kind of thing. And that was fine. I, I didn't mind. Um, but he said, we're, we're querying a couple of things. It was, you know, preeclampsia, um, help syndrome or fatty liver. Mm-hmm. That's what we were querying. Um, we've ruled out fatty liver. But, you know, your placenta's gone off to pathology and, you know, we'll have a full diagnosis for you. Don't worry about that. And I, I didn't know. So the minute he left, I Googled help syndrome. And like, it's like, a rare life-threatening disease that happens during pregnancy or sometimes rarely postpartum. And I was like, never. Sure, was never that. I never had that. And I was reading it. I was like, oh my. The only thing I didn't have on the symptoms list was blurred vision. Everything else I, I had. I had the pain on the top of my uterus. I had no appetite, swelling, high blood pressure, everything that comes with it, like, low platelets, red blood cells breaking down, or everything. Like the only thing that I, I didn't have as well was, was that my liver was okay when it was scanned on the Monday. Um so he said, You seem to be much brighter in yourself. This is on the Thursday. I said, I am. Um he said, Do you want to, you know, will we keep you in high dependency? What do you think? And in my head, in high dependency, I still had my catheter in. This was Thursday. The lads were born Tuesday. Mm. I hadn't been up out of the bed. Bar, you know, Finn was in his 
caught and Eve was in NICU and I thought, you know, if I get up to the ward, I'll get to go and see Eve, I'll get this cannula out, I'll be walking around, you know. So I said, no, I'll go upstairs as soon as I can. He said, right, we'll keep you here until maybe three or four o'clock and then you can go up. So that was fine, they did. Um, I got up, I eventually... I don't know, I felt like I had a catheter in for five years. Eventually got a cath- my catheter out. Um, I, I was quite stiff and sore. I had literally been in a bed for, since Sunday, since Sunday night when I got there. I hadn't been up, bar using the bathroom myself. I hadn't been up out of the bed. Um, yeah, and I had major surgery. So um, I was really slow, but I wanted to go down and see Eve. Um, there was a student midwife on, uh, so I asked the, the, the nurse that came and met me when I, I said, I, can I go down? And she was like, yeah, grand. And she sent uh, a student nurse in and she sat with Finn while I went down. So I went down for 20 minutes thinking I, I was very naive. I thought I could come and go as I pleased. Like uh, I genuinely believed. Now I was told I wasn't allowed to take Finn off the floor, that he, you know, his alarm would go off and he had to stay on, on the, 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 the the postnatal ward. Um, but he was in NICU and it was part of my heart was stuck in NICU mm. or something. I this pain, I had just these pains for ease. I, I'd Finn with me. And part, so because he was in NICU, it meant Mark could actually come and go from the hospital as he pleased. He could go and see Eve whenever he wanted. So he came back down on the Thursday evening and I got a porter to to wheel me to reception. And I met Mark for, for five minutes in reception as he he was going down to Eve and I was coming back up. And then I got reception to ring the porter because I couldn't climb stairs or go very far you know I was I was less than 48 hours after a section now I could walk a bit but I was very slow and I was sweating like literally they would have had to just mop behind me as I was going so it was just so I went back up to the room and then I you know I was like can when can I go back down again and they said oh when there's somebody you know willing to look after Finn you can go back down so that was 20 minutes on the Thursday and anytime I asked, they were like, oh, look, we're very busy now or there's women coming up from, you know, after giving birth, we have to get them, you know, checked in. And so on Thursday night, I didn't get to see Eve. Uh, I got to see her for 20 minutes on Thursday after I had gone up um, and that was it. Um, but Thursday night, the nursery nurse took Finn at maybe two o'clock in the morning. So I slept for an hour and she brought him back. Um and then Friday morning came and that was grand. And I asked, could I go and see Finn? And I was told, no, there's no student midwife on, so you can't. And she may has well, she may as well have told me that I was never going to see Eve again. I was really upset. I was three days postpartum. Everybody mm. knows three or four days after it's this like letdown of hormones. And it's, I was, I couldn't believe it. And, and a, a new woman had been brought into my room Thursday, kind of lunchtime-ish. Um, a, a lovely woman by the name of Sarah. And I kind of recognised her voice. And I asked, Sarah, do I 
do I recognize your voice? You know, we we had, we were going to share a room for the next day or so. Um, and, and we we were chatting anyway. Um, she had a lovely little girl. And it was funny because we were comparing weight of the baby. I'll go back to that in a second. But Sarah, recognize your voice. And she's like, no, no, no. And she was telling me her story. And next minute she said, uh, uh, oh, I was down in high dependency unit I, I said that's where I, I, I've just come up from high dependency yesterday and she's like oh I was in there as the induction room they, they induced me in there and I was like oh I was next door I knew I knew your voice so we ended up actually sharing the room for for one night but it actually felt like I spent a week with Sarah it, and it was it wasn't until a couple of months later I think it was six months and we were texting saying happy six months to Finn and Eve and happy six months to Rail Teen Sheeps, second of October. And uh, it wasn't until then we realised we only spent one night in the hospital together. But we, we were commenting on, wait, you know, how big is your, your little girl and uh, Rail Teen? I think she was six, nine or Finn was just slightly bigger than her when she was born. And I said, oh, Finn was six, eleven. And and his his sister was four fifteen, and she said, "I thought he was your first. And I was like, "Oh yeah, but his twin is downstairs. I I had two, and she's, you know, we were just laughing because I never explained. I was sitting in a room with one baby, and we were talking about, and she said, "Oh my God, he's bigger than the one baby, and you've a, a second baby and downstairs. <laughs> yeah, sure, he looks fully grown, um." So on Friday, I kept asking myself and Sarah, hit it off straight away. We, we were great friends. And I suppose we were both first-time mums. It's the first, apart from the midwives downstairs who were amazing. But, you know, m- myself and Sarah were like trying to figure out how to do things. And, you know, feeding the babies wasn't, it's not as easy to feed a newborn as, as everybody thinks it's not. It's, no. it's really difficult. Um my milk hadn't come in. I was still hand express and the lactation consultant had come round at a hospital pump. Um, but Finn was drinking kind of Aptamil and maybe throughout the day I'd get one syringe or half a syringe of colostrum and he was he was getting that. But we bonded over feeding them and, you know, she'd say, oh, she's getting a bit sleepy. And I'd say, you know, whip her legs out for baby grow. You know, she might cool her down you know anything that, that I had learned so far I was trying mm. to, to share with Sarah but we became really good friends in that in that 24 hours that we were together but I kept asking kept asking you know when can I go see Eve and there's no student midwife on if somebody can come somebody will come and Sarah said to me we we is now bear in mind Sarah had given birth that morning and had had an epidural and she said wheel him over to me, give me your phone number and go down and see Eve. Um, and crazy and all to think, I left my brand new baby with a woman I knew less than six hours. Now, myself and Sarah still talk, um, funnily enough, but I don't know, it just felt like I, I knew her a lot longer than that and I knew Finn was going to be fine. I only stayed, literally, I, I held her she didn't need a feed, she didn't need a change, but I, I held her and, and everything, and I, I went back up. Mark was coming in soon anyway, so I knew she'd ha- have one of us. Um, But I was just 
so I'm sitting up in, in my room and my heart is pining for my baby downstairs. And then I get downstairs to her and I'm like, oh my God, I'm a terrible mother. I've left my baby with a stranger upstairs and my heart was pining for upstairs. It's not something I ever thought I'd have to deal with. I thought if they were going to NICU, they'd go together. If they were staying yeah. with me, they'd yeah. stay together. I never had the cop to think that they, they'd ever be separated you know, from each other, that they'd, they'd be together in the one place. Um, but, yeah, so that, that was really hard. And your hormones are really funny. And you don't know what's, what's a real feeling, what's a hormonal feeling. It all mm. feels insanely real. But, you know, really heightened at the same time. I, I can't put words on it it's like no I know you, you don't know whether the, whether it's this is part and parcel this feeling is part and parcel of it and that's oh yeah that's okay that's it's yeah. okay for me to feel like this or whether it's it's something that needs to be yeah addressed that's really. it um that's it um it was just yeah and and th- those they were probably emotionally for me they were the hardest two days because w- when they the lads were were still inside me even though I wasn't well and eventually they wouldn't have been well if they if they hadn't been delivered but they were safe and they were together and they were with me mm. now I was already struggling who to stay with my heart was like Finn is perfect he's up here but I can't leave him here by himself but Eve is downstairs and she's in an incubator and she can't have me and it was it was grueling it, it was really hard emotionally um thankfully mark was allowed in in to see eve and you know there was a bit of solace in that when he was there and he was coming straight down he could spend hours in there you know and he might leave until half 11 and i'd get a text or oh, i fed her and and that but still part of me is like I was thinking like those NICU nurses must think I don't look at poor Eve Woodland over there and her mother isn't here but I was upstairs with her brother couldn't leave do you, do you know that kind of way it was mm. like because mm. whenever I went to NICU a baby had somebody but my I felt like my little baby had nobody down there but you know um she had she she had um you know it was just that was very that was probably the hardest part for me was being separated from Eve and having been Andy both separated. You know, um, I just did they come to a diagnosis? Did they? Was it health syndrome? It was health syndrome. Yes. Uh, so Doctor Doctor McCarthy rang me. It, it might have been six weeks or eight weeks postpartum. Um, I okay. so I was discharged on Saturday. Um, uh, myself and Finn were discharged on the Saturday. Eve came home on the Sunday, um, and th- they referred me back to my own doctor on Monday. I had to go straight in Monday morning. Um, I ended up with a, with a pain on one side of my of my of, of my scar, um, but they just gave me really strong antibiotics, really strong painkillers. Um, they didn't know, but they had to redo my bloods. And then they they redid my bloods on the Monday, and then they redid my bloods again on the 
Wednesday or Thursday. So my mum was coming to collect me from home to bring me in because I couldn't drive. And Mark was staying home with the twins. We were in full lockdown again. So we'd nobody else. We went into lockdown that Tuesday. Um, so at, at the bloods on the Thursday, my platelets went through the roof. And because they'd been so low, when I came out of hospital, literally in a week, they were like this on the graph. Um, and my own GP wasn't there. Another doctor rang and said, look, we're after to get your blood work back. Can you come in first thing in the morning? We'll do a full exam. Um, your platelets are really high. You know, we think you're riddled with infection. We don't know what's going on. But it turns out it was just, I was post-op, post-emergency section. It was just a natural mm. body response. But he, he did, my doctor did speak to CUH on those results. And they said, look, that's what we'd be expecting. Um, okay. they were watching my liver bloods especially and uh, uh, my liver enzymes and my my um, my red blood cells um, after they were happy enough that my white blood cells had gone up just in response to, to a C-section um, but it was it was it was full-blown preeclampsia and health syndrome and I had never heard I'd heard of preeclampsia and never mm. heard of, of health syndrome and um, some people say it's like a more severe preeclampsia, but with with help syndrome, it's not like eclampsia where where you're going to get uh, seizures. You you know it, it's a bit different in that respect that you don't get seizures. It's just basically things start shutting down because your blood your blood is going haywire. Your blood is breaking itself down, and your liver your liver enzymes are are funny, and your liver is breaking down. So that's you know, and I had never, ever, ever, ever heard of health syndrome. Um, but I spoke to, to, and he said, yeah, yeah, it was. And my placenta was slightly abnormal. And I wish I'd dug okay. a bit deeper into that to say how, you know, abnormal was it. Because they were fully nourished from it, Finn and Eve. It, it, didn't, it didn't affect them. But he, sa- he said it was kind of malformed, I think was the word he, he used. Um, and... You know, he he said it was his full blown preeclampsia and and help syndrome. Like never heard of it. To go through, you know, seven and a half months. You know, one admission that was for an iron infusion, and that was two nights. It wasn't anything major. To literally, I coasted through pregnancy. Um, I was always healthy. You know, I could go for a walk. You know, obviously, I was uncomfortable at the end because it was so big but I, I had a pretty good like I worked up till 32 weeks in a busy car showroom on my feet up and down all day and you know it wasn't as if like there was any markers that my blood pressure just mm. been iffy my blood pressure was always literally I could probably tell you what it all you know it read the same all the time it, you know um so to to have a pregnancy like that for it literally to fall off a cliff for three days isn't is you know um still kind of crazy to me that 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 was my diagnosis something so something rare something so dangerous 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 yeah and something that i i had never heard of um whereas now i'm highly sensitive to it i'm highly aware of it and one of my friends jackie's pregnant um and I was like, how's your blood pressure? She was, we were 
she was sending me pictures of her hands and feet saying they're a bit swollen and I was like what's your blood pressure have you got a blood pressure monitor at home I had one my mum is a nurse and I had a blood pressure monitor at home here and um, it's part of the reason I went down when I tested my blood pressure the Sunday morning it was fine it, it literally increased and increased and as the day went on the day I went down to, to, to hospital so I'm so sensitive to it to you know preeclampsia if I'm so aware of it now that I want everybody to be testing their blood pressure yeah. at home yeah. every week. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's yeah, what wasn't what I was expecting towards the end, but very 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 lucky that I I was perfect. I made a really quick recovery. Um. My blood was back to normal. I was having weekly bloods for a couple of weeks and then they tested them on a month. Literally by, I think it was week six or week seven, they were perfect, like back to normal platelets where they should be and everything. Um, so I made a really, really quick recovery. Um, I was lucky that way. Thank you for sharing. You're the third woman I've interviewed who's had help syndrome and it wasn't until Siobhan, I think, was the first interview. Um, last year until she got in touch that I even knew that it, it existed because really? it's so rare but it's just so so dangerous it's and so aggressive so quickly literally the flick of a switch from Saturday yeah. night to to Sunday to Sunday morning waking not feeling okay and then from Sunday morning to three or four o'clock Sunday evening was night and day Caroline, thank you so much for sharing your story and as much detail as you did. I know it'll be appreciated by so many. Brilliant. Cora, thanks so much. Not at all. That was lovely. Thank you. And what a, what a lovely you. day. Such a special day to chat about it. Yeah, yeah. Such a, a lovely day. What a way to end uh, their first birthday. If you are enjoying the podcast, I would love if you could take a moment to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it weekly. It really helps get a little bit more traction and make sure that as many people can hear these amazing stories as possible. I have one more episode for you on Wednesday, then one the following week and that's it for 2021. So yeah, I'll chat to you during the week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.